Well, again, uh, welcome, uh, Dr. Walt Larimore, uh, a, a graduate of LSU, Go Tigers, uh, did your residency at Duke and then uh, were, were in practice in Appalachia uh, and then moved to Florida and were active in, uh, you were active there in, in your practice for some 16 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, in um, as a medical educator as well, uh, eventually locating with your family to Colorado and becoming very involved in uh, focus on the family, um, and um, have continued to be um, a, an educator and a prolific author, uh, some forty books I think, and and. Uh, um, uh, in a variety of topics, both in your own experience as a physician, but also in, in um, medical education and medical news, all sorts of things. So uh, you've got, you're, you've had um, um, uh, radio programs and TV programs, and I think you're starting some new, new ventures as well. Uh, very, very excited to have you um, with us to, to talk about some of these important uh, topics that you've been dealing with for quite a long time now. So welcome, Walt, to Frank Fryer Fridays. It's great to be with you. And and my heart wants to say Father Patrick in honor of the profession and vocation that, that you have, but you've given me the permission to say Patrick, and I well, I feel that's an honor. Well, and it's an honor for me, too, to have you with us, Walt, and to, to uh, uh, welcome you to, to this program. You know, um, Let's start with what it means to be healthy. You know, when I was, uh, I've, I've been at, I'm at Washington University now, as my listening audience knows, but before that I was at Purdue University. I was there for just over 13 years. I was a pastor and director of campus ministry there. And a few years ago, maybe about three or four years ago, and I'm a baby boomer. Uh, you may not know that, Walt, but my audience certainly does. And, you know, it was an, of a certain age, and there was this book that was being passed around back then. And I got a copy anonymously. <laughs> that was interesting. That uh, even that aspect of it called "Younger Next Year." I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, it's got some really helpful things in it. It's it it talks a lot about exercise and uh, diet, and it's written by a, a doctor and a and a lay person. Uh, lay meaning you know not in the medical profession. Um, I think he was a stockbroker, but. In reading that book, um, and I and I did, I find it very helpful. But it seems to me there's just there's something still missing in that uh, idea that all we need to take care of is our diet and our exercise. And I wanted to get your take on that. What what is it that you think when you talk about fit over fifty? And I and 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 I talk, when I talk to people about being healthy, I start talking to them when they're their twenties, not, you know, they, they, they really can't wait until their fifties. I mean, you should, I guess you, you, as long as you start at some point, it's always good. But, you know, I think this is an important topic for, for people of any age. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. In fact, my, my journey uh, of, of exploring what is essential to health and what is true health actually began back in 1980. I had just finished my residency in family medicine and sports medicine at Duke University and moved out, uh, as you said earlier, to the Appalachians, to the Great Smoky Mountains, to the little hamlet of Bryson City, North Carolina, a town with uh, 
900 souls and 38 Baptist churches. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, every creek and every mountain had a Baptist oh, church. Oh, my goodness. And then one of, of everything else, a wonderful Catholic diocese uh, that was located there, and then Presbyterian and Methodist, and on and on and on and on. And uh, But what stimulated my thinking was a second grade teacher who called me one day, not too long after I had moved there, and wanted me to come speak to her second graders about what is true health. And I thought, well, that is a great question. And Uh what is true health? And it led me into a research project. I actually uh, surveyed healthcare experts, public health experts in over 100 countries around the world, asking them a couple questions what is true health? And if you had to, I asked these experts, if you had to name three things that were essential to true health, what would they be? And that ended up in in a book called 10 Essentials of Highly Healthy People. It was later revised into a book called 10 Essentials of Happy Healthy People. And then as you mentioned more recently in a book called Fit Over 50. But even though it's titled Fit Over 50, this is a book that covers essentials if you're 30 or 20 or mm-hmm. 40 years of age. But what are those essentials? And what I what I arrived at was I was actually one day I was visiting with an attorney, a retired attorney out in the Nantahala Valley of, of, of Western North Carolina. And he was an expert at refinishing Model T's. And his real expertise was in the wheels, the, the four wheels. And he... Uh, emphasized that all of those wheels uh, had to be perfectly round, they had to be perfectly inflated, and every spoke of every wheel had to be intact. If one spoke was broken, it literally affected how that entire Model T car ran. It Uh wouldn't run as long, it wouldn't run as well. And I thought, that's a great picture of health itself, especially when the experts pointed out that health wasn't just physical health, but it involved also our emotional and mental health, kind of a second wheel, if you would. Mm-hmm. And that was connected to our relational health, our, our, our communities in which God had placed us, our families, and relationships can be positive and negative. And as a priest, you see that every day, I, I imagine. And yes. it was the third wheel, if you would, but all of those were connected to the wheel that had the power steering that, that had the, the power connected to it. And that is our spiritual health. And yeah. I was stunned to learn of the tens of thousands of studies that have only multiplied over the, the last 40 years that connect all of those wheels. And if any one of those wheels, our physical health wheel, our spiritual health wheel, our relational community health wheel, or our emotional mental health wheel. If any one of those uh, are a little broken or a little out of balance or a little wobbly, it affects not only how long that vehicle will run, but how well it will run. And, and to me, that's become the essence of true health is recognizing those four wheels and then learning how to balance them. And what do you, what do you, offer to to individuals that come to you about that how do you keep them in balance yeah well it depends on 
which spoke's broken <laughs> and where yeah. it's broken. And so what I have developed uh, along with the folks out at Kaiser Health out in, in California mm-hmm. is a fairly extensive health assessment. It involves about 300 questions. And if people will take that health assessment, it takes about an hour, hour and a half to fill those questions out. If you do that, honestly, uh, not what you wish your health was, but what it actually is in each of those areas, you can then actually draw your four health wheels. And I, I use this assessment still in my daily practice to help me, it's particularly with difficult cases. I'm trying to determine, oh my goodness, does somebody have difficulty? I, I had a, a young lady, a young adolescent, it was in not too long ago, with severe headaches. And we can see that with emotional, uh, mental issues. We can see that in relationship issues. We can see that in health issues, you know, migraines and tumors and that sort of thing. <laughs> but where to start? Which of those should I first investigate? And she was kind enough to be able to take that whole assessment, drew out her four wheels. And in her case, uh, the flat wheel was a relationship. Well, physically, she was in good shape. Spiritually, she was in good shape. But she had some relationship issues that t- ended up being what took care of what, what caused her headaches. And we were able to focus quickly on that issue. But at, at my website, drwalt.com, that's D-R-W-A-L-T.com, if people go to the homepage, at the very bottom of it are a number of health assessments. They're completely free. And so for our listeners who happen to come from the Christian faith tradition, there is a health assessment for, for Christians. And then for those who don't come from the Christian perspective, then there's a, a I just call it a secular uh, health assessment. The difference between the two is that the Christian assessment has a spiritual assessment this design specifically using biblical principles. So it comes from that Christian perspective, but both of those are available for free. And there's also one for teenagers and there's also one for younger children. And so people can kind of do a little self-assessment if you wouldn't see which of those wheels is out of balance or, or broken. And then, uh, begin to think and pray about, well, now how do I concentrate on this particular Wheel. And then, Father Patrick, it's not only a one-time thing. I actually recommend that people do that assessment at least every six months because really? as we grow and age and as we change, it was just like our cars. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, sure. You don't sure. go in and get just a 3,000-mile checkup, but you do it at, you know, what, every 3,000 miles, every 5,000 miles, whatever the case is. And our bodies are much more complex and very interestingly and divinely designed in such a way that repeating that assessment can be wise. You know, I, I, I wonder if you could talk about maybe the, the level of acceptance you might have and people understanding that, you know, it's these, these four, the four tires and not, not three. When I had somebody you know, without going into, you know, specifics in the sacrament of con- the penance or reconciliation, confession, we call them all those things. Mm-hmm. You know, so they'll be in some sort of an emotional crisis and, and, um, or spiritual crisis, I'm, I'm meant to say. And so I'll tell them, I said, you know, I'm not, you know, I want you to understand I'm not a medical doctor, but I'm going to ask you some, th- some questions about your, your, your physical health issues. And like, you know, are you, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating well? Are you exercising? And then I'll find out that they've been um, getting about one hour of sleep a night. Mm-hmm. They've been living on ramen noodles. And 
they uh, haven't seen the inside of the rec center or the gymnasium for a semester. And to try to help them understand that these physical, these, these spiritual issues that they have can be affected by the, the lack of care that they're, they're giving their, their body, um, that it's all tied into that. You know, do you do you what kind of what kind of acceptance do you see in people you know when they when you're you're presenting these sorts of assessments to them do they get it that these things how well do they get it or do they get it at all that these things are all connected yeah great question and and my experience my anecdotal experience isn't any different than the over well over 50,000 healthcare professionals around the world who who I've trained through a a curriculum called Grace Prescriptions and how to bring, uh, for healthcare professionals, how to bring their faith into their work on a day-to-day basis. Um, and using assessments like this, um, people who, and Father, you see this, people who are in pain, uh, C.S. Lewis said that pain is God's megaphone for getting, yeah, yeah. for getting our attention. And people who are in pain are just open to what can I do to begin to move from this this pain. In fact, one of my mentors in medical school was a former medical missionary named Paul Brand. He was at that time one of the most uh, uh, one of the most famous orthopedic surgeons in the world, a hand surgeon who had worked with lepers in India for most of his career. Oh. And then he transferred to the leprosarium in Carville, Louisiana, just up river from New Orleans, oh, where uh-huh. I was in med school, yeah. and and. At that time, he was working on a book called Pain, The Gift That Nobody Wants. And his Mm. prayer for his leper patients was that they would get pain back because it would keep them. They they lose their nerves. Their nerves are damaged Mm -hmm. by the bacteria. And not being able to feel, their eyes become permanently damaged and their fingers and toes become permanently damaged. And so pain becomes a great motivator. And so in, in medical practice with with pastoral professionals such as yourself in in your vocation, you see people in pain and they want to know what's the source of that pain. How can I reduce that pain? And these type of assessments allow you in the pastoral vocation, me in the health vocation, counselors in the emotional vocation and and who deal with relationships to kind of sort through what's causative. And in my case, if I have patients who physically, relationally, emotionally in pretty good shape, but they're just spiritually way out of whack, particularly if they're dealing with what I call religious struggle. And those are patients who, who believe or think or wonder or worry that their disease, their excuse me, that their disease, their disorder, their dysfunction is either because God doesn't love them or because hmm. God has abandoned them or because God is punishing them. I call those the lap uh, causes of religious struggle. If, if someone is wrestling with one of those, then I know I need to have a trained professional pastoral counselor, uh, whether it's a chaplain, whether it's a priest, a pastor, an imam, a rabbi, but someone who can help that patient work through that religious struggle because the medical literature is clear that a patient wrestling with religious struggle simply cannot recover to the same degree as someone who settles that issue. So our, my profession, the healthcare professions, uh, just over the last 15 years have begun, begun to, dis, to discover 
the import of that of that spiritual will. In fact, the Joint Commission, which is the federal uh, agency, the federal uh, company, if you would, that mm-hmm. um, that certifies all healthcare institutions, uh, uh, healthcare providers cannot receive Medicaid or Medicare funds if they are not Joint Commission certified. They now require that a spiritual history be taken on admission for every single patient. Why? Because spiritual issues impact physical recovery and coping with illnesses. And so um, anyway, a long, long answer to a short question. No, that's okay. The fact, the fact is that people want to know uh, what the source of their pain is. They don't always want to take the prescription to reduce it. What so? What would you say are the the the, the essentials to the uh, idea that we can be happy and and healthy or become that way? Yeah, I was so hopeful when I did that that survey that I would get you know three easy <laughs> answers, you know, or the two yeah. easy keys, you know, or right. <laughs> eat this cookie or drink this. But but when I boiled down the answers, which were extensive and wonderful. I really kind of came up with 10 essentials. Uh, the, the first one was j- just setting a wise balance to your life. That's the, uh, the, the essential balance, that understanding that these, our divine design is that we have these four wheels and that if any one of them are, are uninflated out of balance, that that affects the entire vehicle. And so mm-hmm. the assessment actually came out of that original study. The, the second essential was uh, the essential of self-care, uh, to be proactive in preventing disease. Uh, uh, so preventative care, preventative medicine. In the case of physical health, that's proper sleep, like you said, proper nutrition, proper movement, you know, proper exercise. Mm-hmm. In the area of relationships, it's learning how to, to cultivate wise, positive relationships. Uh, both with your family, with your colleagues, and, and with your community, and learning how to put boundaries on those relationships that are harmful or or, or toxic uh, in the area of, of mental and, and emotional health, of, of learning how to be proactive in having good health care. So that was the second one. The third one was, uh, this was a, initially a real surprise for me. But now with 40 years of practice as a family physician and you with your uh, pastoral vocation, uh, we both understand this. And that's the essential of forgiveness, uh, uh-huh. the, the, the practice of acceptance and, and letting go. I, I, I'll tell patients that unforgiveness or cynicism or bitterness or anger is um, like drinking dilute cyanide hoping to harm the other person Yeah, that people that are not willing to learn the practice of of forgiveness cannot be highly healthy. The the fourth one, uh, I call it lightening your load. Uh, It's the essential of reducing sadness. And Patrick, the the SAD are capitalized. The S is reducing stress. The A is reducing anxiety. The D is reducing depression. Uh, And then the, the, is the tools that I have for finding out if you're wrestling with those, if they're difficult for you, and then what do you do about it? The uh, fifth essential uh, is avoiding loneliness like the plague. It's the essential of positive relationships. The next one is 
cultivating true spirituality, the essential of spiritual well-being, and especially um, avoiding or reducing a spiritual or religious struggle. Then the next one is uh, seeing yourself as your creator sees you, the essential of positive self-image, the, the, the creator of the universe who created you, who knew you before you were, who knew you in your mother's womb, who right. knit you together. What does he think about you? Not mm -hmm. what does the enemy of your soul, the father of all lies, what does he say about you? But what does your creator say about right. you? It's really fun walking people through that, that concept. I was, just, I was just meeting with a 92-year-old man. We had about an hour and a half together who is in a very uncomfortable position with, with his creator now. And I said to him, I said, I'll just use the name Bob. I said, Bob, uh, what could you do to make God love you more? And he started listing off a bunch of things. I said, nope, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. You can't deserve it. You can't earn it. He loves you more than you can imagine. I said, can you name one thing that you could do to make him love you less? And he started list, list, listing all things. I said, no, 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 no. Huh. There's nothing you can do to make him love you. Right less and so and then uh the last three uh if i can remember this right uh the next one is how do you nurture your hopes and dreams the essential of discovering your destiny what's god's specific plan for you whether you're seven or 97 what has he designed you for and how can you begin to rediscover that that passion uh, the second to last one uh, the last two are a little bit more practical uh the ninth one is is be your own healthcare quarterback. It's the essential of personal responsibility and empowerment. How can you become your own healthcare quarterback? How can you use a, a primary care provider as, as a coach, if you would? But then how do you put together that team, your personal pharmacist, your, your pastoral counselor, our, our pastoral professional, uh, friends, uh, your faith community, uh, your neighborhood, your community. How do you quarterback all that and put that together? And the last essential was the essential of teamwork, teaming up with winning healthcare professionals. How do you find them? How do you interview them? How do you fire them if they're not doing their job? And so it's a, it's a lot with those 10 essentials, but uh, reading about them first, understanding them. And then I encourage people uh, using that assessment how do you find out what you need to first do and begin chewing that elephant of total health kind of one bite at a time because yeah. it's just too much to swallow all at once? You know, pardon the abrupt ending there. We are going to be continuing this conversation with Dr. Walt Laramore for the next couple of weeks. And I'm very excited to be able to have Dr. Walt on our program, thanks to Dr. Paul and Marilee Williams, good friends of mine in Kansas City. So please join us next week to hear the continuation of this conversation.